few years ago, I met up with an old friend. We grew up together, we went to high school together, and then university came around. I went to the States for university, and he went to another country. So we kind of lost touch and we didn't communicate over those four years. So we graduated, we came back, we started talking and we thought, you know what? Why don't we get together? Let's catch up, let's see how we've been doing. Um, why don't we go bowling? I love to bowl, so I was like, I jumped in. I'm like, absolutely, let's go bowling. So we did. We went bowling and we had a great time. You know, you know, we were laughing, we were swapping stories, we were catching up, talking about the good old days, talking about where life was headed for us as of now. And we ran out of time, our bowling game was done. And so what we did was we kind of jumped in our cars, drove around and found just a local wing shop uh, to grab some wings and continue hanging out. And as we were eating wings and talking, the conversation shifted. It shifted to a spiritual conversation. Now my friend grew up in a similar church to Springvale. From our conversations, he knew I was working at a church now. He knew kind of where I was spiritually. And he looked at me across the table and said this, Greg, I don't understand how this man that's God, this God-man Jesus, how his death is going to save me from hell. What would you say if you're at dinner with a friend or a family member, maybe your, your kid or your parent even, or somebody you just met, what would you say if they asked you that question? In our series so far, we've seen how God had created the earth. And God created Adam and Eve to take care of the earth and to multiply. But as that story went on, we saw how Adam and Eve sinned and that brought consequences. And God, even though there were consequences for the sin that was brought into the world, God promised a plan to save humanity. And he started that with through covenants and promises with the Israelite people. And those promises and covenants that we can see throughout scripture take place, we can hold on to and we can trust and we can know that God cares, God loves his creation, his people so much that he's creating a plan of salvation for them. So we're going to dive into scripture. We're going to see a story of how God is orchestrating a plan to save humanity, to rescue us from our sin. So Exodus 12, the Passover, Moses versus Pharaoh and the plagues. Like this sounds, it could be a Marvel movie. I would love to go to the theaters and watch this, but let's jump in together. Oh, by the way, if you have the Bible app, you version on your phones, so you can go to events, you could find Springville Church, and you can follow along the text we're going to be going through this morning. There will be discussion questions to dig deeper, so you can journey in this story throughout the week. Exodus 12, verse 1 to 11. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. And you take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them together at twilight. Then they, are to, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. The same night they are to eat the meat roasted over a fire along with bitter herbs, bread made without yeast. Do not eat 
the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are going to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Why all these details? Well, this is why, verse 12, On the same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Imagine being in Egypt and, and hearing the Lord's judgment was coming. That's terrifying. Put yourself in their shoes. How would you react? So to kind of catch us up to this story so far, what's been happening is Israel has been stuck in slavery for over 400 years to Egypt. And we learned last week that God promised Abraham that he was going to have many descendants. He was going to be a great nation. These are Abraham's descendants. They're in slavery in Egypt. God also promised Abraham a land. Okay, so Moses was a baby who was put in the Nile River and he was an Israelite who was found by the Egyptians and he was raised as a royal Egyptian. So Moses, this Egyptian, but really an Israelite, started to witness the brutal slavery that these Egyptians were having on the Israelites. And he ended up killing an Egyptian. So Moses, the murderer, he fled from Egypt, he ran to the wilderness, he went into hiding, and God showed up to Moses in a burning bush. God said, Moses, you need to go back, go back to Egypt and free my people. Now think about that. That's a terrifying thought. Moses, the murderer, going back, asking Pharaoh, like the king, the, the guy that's running everything, to free hundreds of thousands of Israelites. But after, I'm sure, some time of deep reflection and thinking, Moses went back with God's help and he went to Pharaoh. In fact, nine times he went to Pharaoh. And each time, Moses asked Pharaoh to let God's people go. Of course, or Pharaoh would be like, no, like there's hundreds of thousands of my slaves. I'm not just going to let them go. So each time Pharaoh said no, this is what God sent. It's the first plague. Blood. And then it was frogs, gnats, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. There was nine plagues and Pharaoh continued to say no. Till God finally had enough with Pharaoh. His pride, his heart and heart, God. What God did is as we read, he was going to send the angel of death. The 10th plague. And the angel of death was going to kill all the firstborns in the land. Again, I couldn't imagine the Israelites, what they would be going through right now. They're slaves. They've been slaves for generations. And now potentially their firstborn son is going to pass away if they don't follow these instructions that God laid out for them. Put yourself in their shoes again. Think about your firstborn son. If you don't have one, think about your daughter. Or if you don't have kids, if you're someone like me, think about uh, your wife or think about your best friend or somebody really, really close to you. And how would you feel if all of a sudden somebody told you you had to follow all these instructions or this person is going to pass away? Obviously, you'd want to follow all those instructions, but you'd, you'd begin to wonder, well, well, why? Well, why do I have to do that? And we'll touch on that, but God has the right to take away lives. Let's keep reading. Verse 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Okay, so there's a solution 
for the Israelites. There's a solution for the people of God. But it has to do with blood. Why? What is blood going to do? How is blood going to save them from an angel of death? Let's flip over. Uh, We're in Exodus. We're going to flip over to the next book, Leviticus, and take a look at what God has to say about the significance of blood. Leviticus 17, verse 10 and 11. I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood, and I will cut them off from the people. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. You know, God created blood with a spiritual significance in humans and animals. This is a powerful idea. Our our lives belong to God. Our lives belong to our creator. You know, this is why God gets so upset when we try to take authority over our own life simply because it's not ours. You know, blood nourishes our life. Blood sustains our life. Blood's running through our veins, right? It's keeping us alive. And when too much blood leaves a body, what else leaves a body? Life does. When a creator creates something, they have authority over their creation. Our lives don't belong to us. They belong to God. This is what Mark Rooker, a theologian, has to say about this topic. Because the life of a creature is in the blood, blood makes atonement for one's life. One's life is sacrificed for another. The shedding of blood on the altar makes atonement, since the blood of an innocent victim was given for the life of the one who has sinned. We all have a decision to make here like the Israelites did. The angel of death was coming and they were warned, we got to follow these instructions. But I'm sure a few of them, if not many of them, would have thought, "Eh, I don't really want to be told what to do. Yeah, I know this is scary stuff, but I don't believe in it. I don't agree with it. I'm going to just trust my own instincts. I'm just going to go a different way and just hope for the best. We don't have to wonder what would have happened to those people. Because the text tells us death was coming. And if we continue to read the story, we see death did come for all the Israelites, for all the Egyptians that didn't cover their homes in the blood of the Lamb. Remember, this is an event, this is a story that we can read to show us God's big plan, God's promise to save humanity from the sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, they brought sin into this world. Remember, there's now consequences because of our sin, which is death. This story is starting to show us how blood can save us from the death we deserve. You know, there's a lot of parts of our life that just kind of happened, right? We didn't have a say on when you'd be born, like what year. I was born in the 90s. Maybe you were in the 70s. You're born in the 2000s. We didn't have a say. We didn't have a say where we'd be born. I was born in Canada. You could have been born in any country. To, to what parents, to what race. Like we had a say on very little of very important things about who we are as people. And for many of us, we're not going to have a say in when we die. This is simply because, again, it's not our life. Our lives are the creators. We were created beings and boop, all of a sudden we're here. And we're here to live for the specific reason. So when we sin, we are losing, we are breaking a life that belongs to God. 
And, and when you lose, when you break something, how do you replace that? You usually replace it with a similar thing. For instance, let's say you're borrowing my, I don't know, hockey stick. And I lend it to you and you're, you use it in the game. You take a big slap shot and you, and you break it. You snap it in half. What do you do? You go to the store and you either buy me the stick that was the exact same one or you buy me a better one to replace it and all is good. But if we've let sin into this world, if we sin as humans, how do we replace our life that is now broken? What can you give? What do you plan on giving to the creator? What do you plan on giving to God to replace the life that we've broken? You know, a lot of responses to that question, a lot of thinking I've heard is, when I'm gonna just live and focus on here, I'm gonna focus on my life right now today. And when the day comes when I have to face God, when he's, when he's standing in front of those pearly gates and gonna welcome me in, what I'm gonna to say to God is one, I didn't murder anybody. Two, I, I, was, I was a good person, you know, I, I supported the elderly, I gave to charities, I went on a couple missions trips, see, like, I, I, I lived a very good life. I've always thought of others first. Even if that were all true, can that really take the place of the life we lost? Like, I'm not trying to say we're, we're sinners, we're these horrible people all the time, but are you generally without any fault? Like, if you break my hockey stick and you look at me and say, Greg, man, sorry, I'm a really good person. I've never really hurt anybody. Just let me be done with this. I'm not going to give you a stick back. No, like, I'd want my stick back. I want a replacement because I, I need that. Well, let's think of it this way. Let's say you are really good friends with this couple. They have a baby. The baby's a toddler and the baby's sitting on the couch when you come over and you say to your friends, you know what? Surprise, I'm here to look after your kid. Go out. You guys need a walk. You guys need a break. Life's been tough for you recently. So they, they take that, thankfully. They leave and you're only with this kid for a little bit of time. But what you weren't planning for was a phone call. So out of the blue, you, you see it's your boss or somebody important. You pick up the phone call. You turn your back. I'm talking like 30 seconds. You turn your back from this baby, you're talking on this important call, and all of a sudden, what do you hear? Crash, boom, bang. I don't know what the sounds would be like, but you hear the baby falling, and you run over there, and ultimately what happened is the baby fell off the couch, and you're holding a lifeless baby in your hands. Parents come home. What, what are you gonna say to them? What, what excuse do we have that can take the place of a life. We, we don't have one. Nothing we can say, nothing we can do can take the place of one's life. There's only one thing that can take the place of one's life. That's another life of equal or greater value. Rewind to the Israelites, right? How was this blood sacrifice supposed to take place of the sin, the, the lives that were going to be lost? How is blood going to protect them from death? Well, obviously, the, the blood of the lamb isn't enough. But what God was doing here, he was orchestrating his plan. He was showing us that a few thousand years later, however long it was, there was going to be a new lamb, which in fact, this story is where the term lamb of God comes from. Jesus, the lamb of God. There's going to be a new lamb. And this lamb, this Jesus, his bloodshed, his sacrifice is going to save all of humanity from the death we all deserve if we call on his name. So that's what's going on here is this is God showing Israel and showing us now, the readers, that he's orchestrating this beautiful plan of salvation to save anyone and everyone who loves him. Death is inevitable. It's coming for every single one of us. But it's how we choose to live right now that determines our future after death. 
Are we gonna allow a sacrifice? Are we gonna allow Jesus to take our place? We, we can't get into heaven without that sacrifice. Heaven's perfect, sin can't go in there and that's why Jesus' blood covers our filthy, dirty rags of blood. It, it covers our sin so that we can stand in front of God with Jesus' righteousness, not our own. But you have that decision to make today. Don't wait too long, but are you gonna allow that sacrifice to take your place? Or are you gonna just, just hope for the best? Are you just not gonna think about that and just focus on what you gotta do today? Yeah, I gotta focus on work, I gotta focus on my kids, I gotta focus on school, I gotta focus on my future. Are you gonna let those focuses get in the way of your eternity? Are you able to just take a pause for a second and actually think about why God is working this beautiful plan out? Why Jesus' blood can actually cleanse us from our sins and welcome us into heaven? We don't have to stand in front of God and, and hope that he welcomes us. And when Jesus' blood covers us, we still have to give account, but we're covered from our sins and we can, we can have assurance that we will walk with Christ into heaven. I love so much taking a step back and looking at the parallels in this story to the parallels of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And so just a couple of them, Exodus 12 verse 7, they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat lamb. You know, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice of God, shed his blood on that cross. So just like the parallels of the door frame, the parallels of Jesus shedding his blood on that cross, to me, it's just, it's so powerful. It's so amazing. And that blood separates the Israelite from the Egyptian, right? And it also separates today the Christian from the unbeliever. It is the blood that separates and saves us. That's, again, the significance of the blood. That is what's cleansing us. That is what's saving us from our sin. Another comparison, Exodus 12, verse 12. On the same night, I'll pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. So what's going on here is the blood of the land is a sign for the angel of death not to go in and, and take the life. Just as Jesus' blood being shed is a sign for God not to send us into hell where we deserve because of our sin. It's a sign to save us, to spare us. The Israelites were spared and also we are going to be spared if we're covered by the blood. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 tells us this, Christ became sin for us so we do not have to face God's wrath. Romans 3 25 says God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Isn't this, like, isn't that amazing? God's promises are true. God's promises were true back then to the Israelites and his promises are still true when Jesus was on the earth, and it's still true today, it's amazing. He will deliver his people. God set up a sacrifice to save us. And all we got to do is believe. All we got to do is accept Christ and walk with him. It blows my mind. It is so amazing. Now, to quickly, to finish this story, we're going to look at Exodus 12, verse 41. So if, if you're in the Bible app, which you should be, head over there. But Pharaoh, what happens is his oldest son passes away because, of course, he didn't put the blood. He wasn't covered by the blood. So what does he do? He goes, get out of here. I, I, he, in his cry, and his sorrow, he sends Moses to, to take his people to leave. So hundreds of thousands of them get together and they start leaving. Verse 41. 
Let me flip over here and find it. At the end of the 430 years, that's how long they were in slavery. 430 years, they were in slavery. The people here, their parents and their parents, like that's a long time. And to the very day, interesting, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are kept, kept a vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. So this is important, guys. God um, orchestrated, God had a visual to take place because he wanted the Israelites, and he also wants us, but he wanted the Israelites to remember this event. But you would think, of course, they're not going to forget this, this event. Like I just said, it was generations, they were in slavery, they were beaten, they were mistreated, they worked to the bone every single day for their whole entire life. That's all they knew. And they heard of these distant promises. They heard of Abraham from years ago that, yeah, God promises people would be a mighty nation, but look at us, we're just slaves. And they knew the promises that, yes, God was going to deliver us to a land, but, but so far, 430 years, nothing has happened. But now, God's saying, remember this. And he actually, let me see here, 56 times, he says after this passage, out of Egypt to remind the Israelites and to remind us to never forget that God rescues his people. To never forget that God cannot break his promises. God cannot break his covenants. He gave us his promises to hold on to. For you and me today, he, he put this in scripture so we can read and we can know we are safe through the power and the blood of Christ. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's happening, we are saved. We have a spot in heaven and it's so beautiful. We are saved from the death that every single one of us deserve. Not a single one of us has lived without sin. And if sin can't go into heaven, remember the consequences is death. And I don't know about you, but I get worked up. I am so, so thankful that a creator loved me enough to give me a chance at eternal life with him. When I was a little kid, I, you know, to be honest, I really wasn't into building things, but I think of Lego. And, and when you're creating something at a Lego, like you're it. Like, like you're in charge of those things. And, and I know God's way bigger than that. And it's a small example, but I, I love it so much because when you make something at a Lego, you know what's going to happen. You, you care for that. But how much more does God care for each and every single one of us? That he sent his own son to die. Like... That's, that's revolutionary stuff. And that right there should completely change how we live. It's so easy for us to fit into the world, to look like the world, to, to move like the world. When we have this amazing news, we should be in the world, like Paul says, but not of the world. This should be revolutionizing who we are. Christianity isn't just this, yeah, a little thing. I'm a, I'm a Christian on Sundays. I'm a Christian when it's important. But when it's not important, it's just kind of who I am, not what I am. That's not the deal when it comes to Christianity. We're all, if we call ourselves sons of Christ, if we call Jesus our, our Lord and Savior, if we ask forgiveness for our sins, we become disciples. And we need to be going out into the world and being a light for Christ and sharing this news because this is it, guys. This is why we're here is to go, Great Commission, to go out into the world and share Christ with other people. Oh, it fires me up. I love this so much. It's, it's truly amazing to see God's plan worked out. And so where, what do we do with this information? Where do we take this? Well, the first thing is if you don't believe in Christ, my question to you would be, why, why not? I, I would love to hear why you don't believe in Christ. 
He has the the only way to save us from the the eternal suffering. He he has the answer, and and I know it might not be easy to be a Christian. It's a little intimidating. Actually, it's really intimidating. The gospel can be so offensive to so many people. But but I promise you that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a slow process as the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms our lives. But we get to have faith and assurance in a God who loves his creation that is in control of all things. We can have a peace that succeeds all understanding. It, it's, there's a beautiful way of life when when we know that there's something up there really looking out for us working out a plan to to love and to take care of his children and ultimately that leads us to eternal glory with him so if you have not put your faith in jesus i challenge you right now wherever you at make that step if if you're watching online live right now right in the chat like put it let somebody know text a friend call somebody you know this christian life isn't about being alone I know right now we are all alone. It's tough, but it's about being in community. Here at Springville, we would love to partner with you to put you into a group of either new believers or existing believers to walk with you and help you grow closer to Christ. And don't think, okay, I I know nothing about God, so I need to find all the information out first. No, that's not how it works. Put your faith in Christ and everything else will work itself out. You don't get sick and then figure out what's wrong with you and then go to the doctor. You go to the doctor when you're sick. Just like we come to Christ with all of our sin, with all of our dirty rags, and He, his blood covers us. For those of you that have made a decision to follow Christ, that's fantastic. But what are you doing about it? Like I said, are you just one of those Christians that, yes, you're a Christian, but being a Christian is not everything you are. Well, then my challenge to you is to let the Holy Spirit work in those areas you've been resisting. My challenge to you is, you know this My4 initiative we've been running for a while now? What an amazing opportunity to share this truth with your friends, with your family members, with strangers. Take it seriously. I know it's hard right now. I know we're not supposed to be going out, but that doesn't mean you can't be praying for people. That doesn't mean you can't jump on Zoom. You know, in youth group, um, I talk to some of our leaders and I hear some stories of how they're trying to reach their friends and family members in this time. It's amazing. And you might be thinking, I'm not an evangelist. That that role's not for me. Well, unfortunately, it, it also says in this book that Paul says, do the work of an evangelist, even if you're not an evangelist. So my challenge to you, if you're a believer in Christ, is to take that seriously. Give God 100%. And it's, it could just start with my four. There's a step you can take right now to start getting a little bit more serious in your walk. And then point number three. The last thing I want to leave us with this morning is be intentional with how you study this book, with how you study the work of God. Be intentional with how you spend your time in prayer with God. Recently in my own life, um, it's been it's been hard. I've been stuck at home alone with my wife and, and our pets, but it's been hard not to be as social. I miss being with large groups of people. I miss playing hockey with my friends. I, I miss even the simple things of life. And I found my time with God was was a lot of complaining and asking for things I didn't really need and, and just kind of being a downer. And, and, and somebody challenged me and I made a switch to start each of my prayer time, each of my daily devotional time with thankfulness. And I'm telling you, it has radically changed my time with God. So what I want to leave you with is, is start each day, start each devotional time with the Lord with thanksgiving. Yes, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but there is still so much to be thankful for. 
to get started, we should be thankful that God loves us enough to send his son to cover us with his blood so that we can one day upon our death live in eternity with him. Guys, I'm telling you, spend time with God every single day. Be thankful to God first and foremost, then pour your heart, then ask of things. He's a loving father. It doesn't matter if you're a new Christian. It doesn't matter if you don't even know God or if you've been in the faith for a very long time. God desires us to be with him. He desires for us to spend time with him. If we're going to have a deep relationship, it requires time. And so do that. Make make it a make it a point to be quiet. We learned that a while ago with Dustin to find that quiet place. To find a quiet place to grow, to talk to, to be with God every single day. Why don't we pray? Father, um, I am so thankful to be a part of a church, to be a part of a family, a, a bigger family that loves you and that that knows the truth of who you are. And, and Father, I'm so thankful that you loved us enough to send your son, to, to work out a plan, to, to show us through your word a plan to save us so that we could one day be reunited with you. That's so amazing, God. You are so loving. You are so caring. And there's such a peace knowing you were in control of all things. Lord, I confess that right now it's hard. There's a lot on my mind. There's, there's stress and, and, and thoughts of what's going to happen with this pandemic and with, with work, with all this other stuff, Lord. But you are in control. You are so much greater. The Israelites were stuck under pain and suffering for 400 years. And you were patient and you delivered them. You're also going to deliver us. So Lord, help us to cling on to that truth. And I pray anybody listening right now that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you just tap on their hearts and, and you put the right people in their lives so they can start asking and getting to know you. Be with us, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us. And thank you for having always the best intention in mind, even if it, from our perspective, doesn't seem like it. We love you, Lord. Be with us as we, as we go from here and as we go into our lives. Help us to be on fire, literally on fire for you. And everywhere we go, we're making an impact for your kingdom. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>